Welcome to Trying Times, short, immersive stories to raise class consciousness. Episodes written, produced, and narrated by me, Abera Amadi. Our gaze pans down to a large room in a large office. We see an angry man furiously shouting at another out of tremendous disappointment for his actions. You bastard! You know what you've done. You sided with the devil when my daughters must eat, my wife must eat, my sons must eat, my mother must eat, but we starve because you betrayed us. You betrayed us for your own gain. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to upset you. How could you say you serve us? When you only serve yourself. The angry man lectures more and more until the other man's ears are numb from the verbal abuse. Noticing the other man has been beaten from his scolding, the angry man heads towards the room's exit. This? This will be the end of you. He shuts the door behind him and leaves the other man shaken by his comments. A moment later, an alarmed woman who heard the quarrel through the thin walls of the room comes into the man's office and checks to see if he's all right. Is everything all right, sir? You shouldn't have to take that abuse. Let the interns handle people like him. Thank you for your concern, but I need to talk to them personally to make up for my mistake. I'm going to leave early today, clear my schedule for the rest of the day. The woman nods her head and heads back to her desk. The man rises from his chair, packs his briefcase, and exits the building. As the man steps outside of the building, an angry mob of workers sit outside in protest. Assemblyman, why did it take an election for you to figure out Akeji was no fan to workers? Sorry, I'm in a hurry. I don't have time to talk. But you had seven years to talk with Akeji? We understand you now, Assemblyman. Tired and in a rush to be somewhere else, the man ignores these protesters and speed walks to his vehicle. This man's full name is Chukunaya Ariguzo, Chuks for short. Where to, sir? Please, driver, take me to St. Peter's Hospital. Chooks is an assemblyman from the Nigerian National Assembly, the Congress of Nigeria. The protesters he dodged were there to protest him and the political damage he had done to them. As the black Cadillac Escalade cruises through his home district of Mbise in Imo State, Chooks reflects on the scolding that he had received from his constituents and the protesters outside of his office building. Those people don't know how things are done. It's not my fault things became so bad. After all I've done for them, have I not represented them well? giving them new infrastructure, new jobs, and new opportunities for education. The angry man that scolded Chooks was a constituent in his home district, and one of many that had complained on the phone, through email, and in person about Chooks' long-time association to Ikeji Cement. Is this the assemblyman's office? I can't feed my family right now because of the stuff you're doing. Do you know how people are living out here? And you just sit there fattening your pockets while I'm out working? This is disgusting. You need to resign right now. Ikeji isn't just the largest cement provider in the nation of Nigeria, but the continent of Africa. The company had always prioritized profit over the well-being of their workers. And a few months ago, the company had decided to be more aggressive with wages, severely lowering them for workers across the continent. Hello? Is this the office of the assemblyman? 
I'm disappointed and tired of the corruption you've participated in. You represent us and yet are not doing your job very well. I work for Ikeji. Many of us do in the district, so why would you do this to us? How can you count on your support if we don't have yours? This is an election year and it, it does not look good for you. Ever since this giant's abuse of power, a sweeping amount of strikes and protests for higher wages have launched across Nigeria against the largest employer in the nation. Unfortunately, the Ikeji company, having a monopoly on the cement industry, has not yet complied with the demands of strikers. Of his own district, many of Chuks' constituents work in Ikeji cement, so the backlash of this event eventually got to him. Is this uh, Assemblyman Ariguzo? Why must you take my money? Oh, do you realize? Do you realize? I have been working with the cement, the cement companies for for three years now. I don't get paid enough. You know, the other day, the other day, I worked for seven hours straight, no lunch break, in the hot, sweltering heat, just, just to find out that my wages were cut. What is that about? I pay you to represent me. In the eight years Chooks has been in office, Ikeji had been his largest campaign contributor. But with such high tensions between the Ikeji company and workers across the nation, anyone that supports or is associated with the company is seen as an enemy of working people. As you might expect, this has led to disaster for Chooks. I want to apologize for taking money from Ikeji Cement. It's hard to have your start in politics without big donors. Ikeji has been a staunch supporter of my campaign for eight years. I understand now that I was wrong to align myself with these people and want to work together with the people in my district to heal our tensions and move forward into a brighter future. Even after cutting off political funding and ties with Ikeji, it did not slow down the wrath of workers. For weeks now, constituents have flooded the phone lines in the offices of the assemblyman in order to try and hold him accountable for taking money from a company that pushes slave wages amongst a populace that provides them billions annually. As more and more of the people in his district begin to realize where his allegiances have been the last eight years he's been in office, the polls have shown his support in his upcoming election to be rapidly diminishing. In response, he and his staff have tried to do damage control, forcing even the assemblyman to talk one-on-one -on -one consistently with his constituents. However, the gradual removal from office seems inevitable. To make matters worse, Chooks has become such a polarizing figure that no other big money donors have been willing to give Chooks any money or support in fear their association to him will diminish their own reputation. So far, his constituency is in flames. The corporate world will not aid him. He is alone, sandwiched between a mob that wants blood and giants that are indifferent to his fate. Chooks has never lost an election before, and even in his desperate situation, he doesn't intend to now. As his vehicle zooms through the badly paved roads of his home district, Chooks mentally plots and plans for his uncertain future. The car has finally reached St. Peter's Hospital, and the chauffeur informs Chooks, Sir, we have reached the hospital. Thank you, my friend. Wait here until I return. The magnitude of his political situation has haunted him deeply, but soon he will be able to smile again. Chooks exits the car and walks through the hospital front doors. The inside is blindingly white and nearly flinches 
but has been here before and thus marches onward, passing through a maze of nurses and patients. He finally reaches the line to the front of the desk and waits rather impatiently, constantly looking at his watch and tapping his feet on the floor. Ah, how long is this going to take? I am already running late to see her. St. Peter's is amongst the best hospitals in the country, but far outside Chuks's district, so it took quite a drive to get there. Next? Shouts the front desk nurse, and Chooks scurries over. Good afternoon. I'm here for Chioma. After a few signatures, Chooks is led by the nurse to an emergency care unit. As he gets further and further, his heart beats louder and louder. Even though he tried to calm down in the waiting line, no amount of preparation could contain his anticipation for what he was about to go witness. They walk for what seems an eternity until the nurse halts in front of a large red door. Through here, sir. Though someone's already in there. He knows who is also inside and thanks the nurse. He lays his hand on the knob of the door and pushes the big door with both hands. Finally inside the room, he closes the door behind him and looks to see a woman standing behind a glass barrier. Beyond that glass barrier lied a small girl, not much older than five, laying horizontally, submerged up to her neck with a gargantuan-sized cylindrical machine that filled the entire room. A breathing mask covered her face as the ventilator stood right beside her. Upon the sight of this, tears streamed down Chooks's cheek, smiling as he's anticipated this meeting for a while. I'm sorry to come late, my dear, but I finally made it. Oh, honey, you're not late at all. In fact, you're too hard on yourself. I know you've been busy with work, so I didn't want to trouble you. You're going through so much else that I think I would have been fine here by myself. I'm never too busy to visit my only daughter. How is she? Have you spoken to the doctors? Yes. They say she's in a constant normal state and that she could possibly make it longer than they anticipated. That's the best news I've had in a long time. That's great. We have the best doctors money can buy. How much longer? His wife hesitates and then says, Hmm, I think she has about two years more. She only has two more years? After all we paid for that surgery? This is unacceptable and cruel to our child. The child inside the machine is Chioma Ariguzo, the daughter of Chooks and his wife. When she was born about five years ago, it was with a rare progressive disease that eroded Chioma's immune system as time went on. This made her hypersensitive to everything around her from birth. At first, it was manageable and the parents would take her in and out of the hospital. But when Chioma turned around four, the disease had become so severe she could not live without the support of a machine. The medical expenses of such treatment in Nigeria cost a fortune. But thankfully, Chooks had been fortunate enough to be on his Nigerian Assemblyman Insurance, one of the few healthcare plans in the country that can cover the cost of the immensely expensive treatment. She's done nothing to deserve this. We are managing now. But honey, I think we need to seriously plan if you lose this next election. I've been feeling awful since I told you to take the money from EKG. I never predicted it would end up like this. We took that money from EKG long ago when I first ran for assembly because it was how I thought the political game was played. We needed powerful and wealthy allies. And the EKG barons were who we needed in that moment. Ever since... We have gone without any consequence. 
but now our past is catching up to us. Don't dwell on the past, my beautiful wife. For our daughter, we must be strong for the future. Her future. We did nothing wrong. Everything we did was for her, and everything is still for her. I understand that. But if your opponent, that brat Kingsley, who's been slandering you, wins, we would be knocked off your assembly insurance and we wouldn't be able to afford to save our daughter. I refuse to be in that position. I will not. Chooks then turns to his wife and takes her hand. God is testing us, my love. We have only survived this long because we are among the strong. We are in the most important part of our lives. Too much is at stake for mistakes. We must be perfect in everything we do and find impossible solutions to this impossible situation. We did nothing wrong, my love. It is for her and it will always be for her. The following morning, Chooks arrives at his main office in his district of Mbise. Coming through the front door of his office, everywhere is bustling, with his entire staff working hard, answering phones, tending to constituents, even having interns being extremely worked. Good morning. As Chooks passes by members of his staff, no matter how busy someone was, they all took a second to say good morning. Good morning. As he walked through his building with his finely made black suit, his presence was immense and powerful amongst his subordinates. Good morning. There went the most hated man in the district, but some even having family relations directly affected by the Ikeji cuts, Chooks paid and treated his staff well. Good morning. So no one ever complained. They were his arms and legs, his political machine that had gotten him two terms in the assembly. Some had been with him for nearly a decade. They knew his heart, his convictions, his mistakes. They were loyal soldiers for the weakened general, and he was indebted to all of them. For without a strong staff that was well-oiled and blindly loyal, he would have fallen a long time ago. Entering his main office and taking his seat before beginning damage control for the day, his secretary comes in and tells him his opponent is on Channel 4, giving a speech to the Nigerian Labor Congress. Sir, Kingsley is speaking on Channel 4. Thank you for notifying me. He thanks his secretary and turns on the small TV to the left of his large desk. When he arrives on Channel 4, he sees a tall, very handsome black man speaking passionately to the members of the Nigerian Labor Congress, the umbrella organization of worker unions in Nigeria. My fellow citizens, my fellow workers, my fellow friends, what have the powerful done to us? Those at the top who are already so fortunate Decide to rob us, the gentle laborer who minds our business, the peaceful who worry about which member of our family to feed, as who suffer to buy our children's sandals who wear on their feet. They have robbed us. And for what? So they can buy their third mansion, their fourth yard, their fifth car. My friends, I'm disgusted. And I poured at this man and ashamed to call them Nigerian. They've taken advantage of our sweat in this God-loving nation that should love their neighbor and care for the unfortunate. They have made our lives worse. They have shown no respect or acknowledgement of the people that built this nation, that makes this nation. Because without us, they are nothing. So I call upon you today, my fellow comrades, my fellow laborers, join me in this mission, in this campaign, to remind the bullies who really runs this country. 
And I do not care if you are EKG, Mr. Biggs, or whoever. If you hurt the working class, you will know we are wrong people to mess with. And if you collaborate with these men, if you assist and help them in their oppression, like my opponent, Ari Buzo, then you'll be swept by this storm that is the political revolution against the immoral and powerful. Chooks turns the TV off and places his elbows on his desk with his hands folded. Damn that man. He's always fueling the fire under my ass. Whatever happened to civility? What is the political world coming to? The one opponent in Chooks' assembly race is Kingsley Nuoko, a young 30-year-old from the district that decided to run about a year ago. He was nowhere near a threat as he could not compete against Chooks' well-oiled political machine. But since the Ikeji incident, he went from an amateur politician who had no shot at the incumbent to a progressive superstar who has the power of the unions and the people at his back. Young, charismatic, and hopeful, everything was going Kingsley's way. And while this was, of course, upsetting, he respected Kingsley's talents and the luck that contributed to his rise. In fact, a part of him wouldn't really mind losing to such a formidable opponent that hasn't made Chooks worry this much in a decade. But then Choma comes into his mind and the tragedy that would befall his family if he lost. He takes his right hand, rings a buzzer under his desk. His secretary comes not a second later to his door. Yes, sir? Call the strategists together. We have work to do. A room full of men is filled with anxiety and panic. The campaign strategists on Chooks' staff have joined at the assemblyman's call. But this is not a mild gathering. Everyone in this room has analyzed the situation about a million different ways, and the consensus each time is that Chooks cannot win this election. The frantic frenzy continues as Chooks walks into the room. Gentlemen, take your seats. The men who were standing up and were shouting amongst each other begin to take their seats as he takes his own at a large conference table in the middle of the room. Give me an update on our election. Silence ensues. No one is willing to give Chooks any sort of news. Gentlemen, this is a difficult situation, but I do not pay you for silence. Someone give me some good information. Well, sir, nothing about our situation is good. The latest polls indicate our opponent is at around 70% of the vote and us at about 30%. Even if we factor in a 10% margin of error, he still beats us by about 30 points. Not to mention, funding has all but dried up, sir. Since we stopped getting money from Ikeji, which was the right call morally, since we'd be in an even worse position with the voters, no other super PAC wants to provide us any funds. And since we are supremely unpopular with the voters, we receive no contributions from them. We don't even have any money for bribery only enough to barely pay everyone on the campaign staff. Gentlemen, tell me something I don't know. I need solutions right here, right now. 
The room falls silent, and as the silence continues, Chooks grows increasingly furious. Silence, 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 until Chooks finally erupts. You are all useless! Chooks gets up, storms out of the conference room, and enters his main office once more. He paces around in circles, trapped in a furious rage, angry that he feels helpless, angry that as the incumbent, he can't turn his situation around one month before this crucial election. Ah! In a rage, he knocks over all the papers he had scattered across his desk, alarming his secretary, who bursts in not a second more. Are you all right, sir? I'm fine. As he collects the scattered papers on the floor, he sees something that alarms him but fascinates him. He glances and views a dead cockroach in a dry corner of his office. At first, he disregards it and continues to collect the papers, thinking how could he possibly come out of this hopeless situation. He then thinks again of his daughter, Chuma, and that no matter any cost, whatever it takes, he wants to continue providing her a means of life. He then looks again at the dead cockroach and gets a very sinister idea. An idea so appalling, grueling, and cruel. Only a man that has descended into a form of madness could even entertain. Chuk stands up and sits at his desk with his hands folded on the table. He takes in a deep breath and exhales. He has decided, Fine! If the voters will not side with me, and the corporations will not side with me, I must directly take matters into my own hands. He will carry out the assassination of Kingsley Nuoko. Hello everyone, thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening to the very first episode of this great initiative of mine. This is the first time doing anything like this, so I only hope to grow, improve, and provide you with the best content. These stories are honestly quite exhausting to put together from the script and the voice actors and the effects. And the college life that I'm, I'm currently in doesn't make it any easier. So if you are able to help build this project into something even more impressive with even better put together stories, please visit our website, tryingtimespodcast.com, and donate if you can. We have a Patreon as well at patreon.com slash tryingtimes, where our monthly donors receive special gifts, like the ability to vote on future storylines, a special shout-out at the end of our stories and conversations, including your name in the stories, early access to our content, etc. Um, follow me on Twitter and Instagram, both at Abera P. Amadi, which is E-B-E-R-E, P-A-M-A-D-I and the podcast at times underscore podcast on Twitter and at trying times podcast for Instagram. Updates and artwork will be posted on those social media sites. So follow any of those accounts to stay updated on our work. Thank you all once again for your ears. I cannot wait to share my next story with you.